Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in this month. Uh, if you've never listened before, I'm Sarah Jessica, and this is Hot Shots. And uh, it's a podcast for GTHA-based musicians and artists to talk about the good, the bad, and just kind of everything about working within the arts industry. So, um, yeah, this month I have a very special guest, and I'm very excited to talk to them about a bunch of stuff. I'm talking to uh, Nim Agalawade. They're a Hamilton-based musician, producer, sound engineer, 2S LGBTQIA plus advocate, Hamilton Music Advisory team member, and the bassist of Hamiltonian indie rock band Basement Revolver. Uh, so everyone listening, you can find Nim on Instagram as nim.agalawade, on Facebook as naimalagalawade, and their band is on all streaming services under Basement Revolver. So hey, Nim, thanks so much for jumping in here and talking to me. Yeah, hey, I'm uh, excited to be here. Awesome, love it. Um, I guess like, just to kind of start everything off, um, how would you describe your personal style as an artist? Oh, that's an artist. Um, I don't know. I I feel like I and you got a sense of this through your intro, but I'm someone who does so many different things within the music industry, um, and that kind of describes my style in a bit. Like, um, I don't know, person of many talents. Like, I've purposely tried to not limit myself, and you know, like pigeonhole myself as like just a bass player or like only an indie rock bass player or something like that I like to experiment with different styles of music and yeah just see where everything leads me mm-hmm. yeah who would you say are like your biggest musical inspirations um Sufjan Stevens is like a massive one for me mm-hmm. I started mm-hmm. listening to him like at a pretty young age and yeah. I think also the amount that like he varies his sound has also inspired me. You know, he's a musician mm-hmm. who like isn't tailored into just doing one thing. So yeah. For sure. Yeah, cool. Um, do you remember when you like discovered your passion for music when that first like initial spark came up? So I grew up playing like instruments for most of my life. Um, my dad was a musician, he plays cello, and my brother also got into playing cello, so when I was eight, my parents asked if I wanted to learn an instrument, and I said yes, like, that seemed cool, I picked up clarinet at that age, um, yeah, but I think that was more just, like, a random thing that I did, and then towards the end of elementary school, when I started to like discover bands for the first time and listen to like my own music rather than just whatever was on that's sort of where like more of a spark came and that's when I picked up bass mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you uh what was the second instrument that you picked up um what were the f- those first sort of after the bass um like what what else do you play generally and what order did that come in yeah, it's kind of funny. So clarinet was first. Then I yeah. think I actually started saxophone a little bit before I picked up bass. I see. And then bass, guitar, and more recently synth is something I've been getting into. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd primarily say that I'm a bass player. I can play yeah. guitar. I'll use it in recordings yeah. and stuff, but I've never like 
gigged in any bands on guitar, and then I play synth as well in Basement Revolver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you still play the trombone and clarinet, or did you kind of drop those off? Um, sax. Uh, I started getting back into clarinet a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's kind of hard to keep up with multiple instruments. I've yeah. got one kicking around, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I say trombone? Did you say sax? Yes, it sax, uh, but no worries. Don't know why I'm thinking trombone. Just all of the, you know, wind and brass instruments. Same genre. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. What, uh, initially, when you first started playing, uh, what kind of music did you focus on? And was that the kind of music that you listened to on your own time? Um, trying to think, like, for bass, I remember one of the first bands I was, like, learning songs from was MXBX. So that was, like, mm-hmm. a pretty big influence. So more, like, punk, under oath, so, like, more hardcore punk that type of stuff um which is what i was listening to a lot at the time Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah yeah when did you um i know you know basement is uh is mainly like indie rock do you remember Mm -hmm. when you started branching out from those initial influences so like indie rock something i got into probably more around the time that basement revolver started um Mm -hmm. when i was like finishing college um yeah, I guess I was like the sound that a lot of bands were starting to do, like a lot of the up and coming acts. It was kind of after the big folk revival of like yeah. Mumford and Sons, all of those bands, which mm-hmm. at the time that's also what I was doing. Um, Chrissy and I used to be in another band that was more like folky. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the progression. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you remember the first time that someone said you were talented at what you do? I think that was probably at a pretty young age. Um, yeah. One thing for me is like I struggled a lot in like the academic side of school. Um, I've got mm-hmm. some learning disabilities. So like mm-hmm. reading and writing was always a struggle. And then music mm-hmm. came really naturally to me. So when I started like taking clarinet lessons like reading music was never an issue for me um and I was progressing fairly quickly at that so yeah I think especially in like the contrast of struggling in some areas um it was definitely like noticeable that I had a knack for music Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when was the first time you started looking as art as something more than a hobby um, so it's kind of funny. I like at one point I was considering going to school for music production. Um, mm-hmm. and that was sort of the area that I was thinking I would go into. I was watching a lot of, um, like interviews with artists that I listened to and, was super interested in like the whole recording process watching videos about that and then like towards the end of high school I started listening to more like jazz music and just made the switch of deciding hey I want to try like pursuing music performance a bit more so I actually ended up like studying music performance uh in college and 
now I make most of my money in music production. So it's kind of funny how those things work. But I like to think if I went to school for music production, maybe I would have ended up not being as into it as I am. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, look at that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you remember um, at one point you started creating music professionally? Um, and I definitely got some like paid playing opportunities when I was in college, right? and some of them mm-hmm. were through the school or um from like other peers. Um, yeah. So in my like early twenties, I also for a while was playing in like community theater pit bands, and that was something mm-hmm. I did for a few years, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. Yeah. How did your friends and peers and family react to you pursuing music? Uh, my family has been really supportive the whole time, yeah. which I'm super yeah. thankful for because I know mm-hmm. a lot of people going into the arts in general don't have that support. Uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned that my dad played cello. Uh, my mom yeah. is a visual artist. Um, neither of them pursued those things professionally, but... Right. I think because um, they are both like creative individuals, they were supportive of me going into that as a field. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother's a photographer as well. So we've both kind of gone that route and I've gotten lots of support. Awesome. And it's funny, I was actually going through uh, my high school yearbook at Christmas yeah. and... I forget where, but it was, like, listed, like, Nim is the most likely to be, like, in a rock band. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Mm. That's great. Guess that came true. Yeah, look at you now. Um, Did you ever take music lessons? Yeah, I've taken music lessons, like, mm-hmm. most of my life. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I started when I was eight with private lessons on clarinet took yeah. bass lessons throughout high school and then studied music in college so that yeah. was uh an intense three years of music lessons definitely um, yeah yeah mm-hmm. what do you feel as though you took away from that program um it's interesting because like a lot of the direct types of things i was learning in that environment i'm not using as much like it was a pretty jazz focused program which isn't a style of music I'm playing anymore Mm -hmm. but I knew there's just so many elements of like even learning how to rehearse and communicate with other musicians um how to like advocate for yourself as a musician or like just be professional all those types of things I think being very immersed in that type of environment where like you're rehearsing with groups almost daily. You're doing performances like most weekends. Um, that's definitely like prepped me for, you know, going out touring and all of that because I'm spent many years of my life doing music every single day. So mm-hmm. it wasn't too much of an adjustment to do that um, in a way that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. When did you meet the members of Basement Revolver? So Chrissy and I have been friends since we were kids. Um, We went to like the same church together. So uh, 
when I was about eight is when we would have met. Um, that's when mm. I moved to Canada. I was born in England. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, so we've like grown up and both ended up in Hamilton. Um, went to different schools, but we both ended up here. And that's how we continue to make music together, which is great. And then the other members I met through Mohawk. So the music mm-hmm. program I was in. Mm-hmm. Did you have the same vision for the band as the other members? I think when we started it, none of us really had a vision of what it would be. Um, mm-hmm. Chrissy and I had been in bands previously that had sort of played around Hamilton, um, opened up for some acts and really enjoyed that. But like, never did any full releases. We just had like some music on Bandcamp, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we kind of just expected that Basement Revolver would be the same type of deal. At the beginning, we played a lot of house shows. Um, yeah, so I think our goal was just to like, you know, write songs that we enjoyed and play, experiment with different sounds because... Like I said, we kind of played a bit more folky music before. So mm-hmm. Chrissy was experimenting with playing um, like electric guitar instead of acoustic, playing around with different effect- effects. And that's kind of what created the sound um, that we have now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So when did you guys ultimately decide on kind of the sound and the and the whole vision for the band that you have currently, um, was that sort of a group effort? Did you kind of fall into it or how did that happen? We we fell into it a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the first shows that we played as a full band, or maybe even the first show that we played as a full band was at the Baltimore house, uh, in Hamilton. And Mm -hmm. we were playing with a band called allegories and, Mm -hmm. Um, Adam Bentley and Jordan Mitchell, who are the duo that is Allegories, ended up producing our first couple releases. So that's, mm-hmm. I had met them both before. I'd actually recorded at their studio with another project, but that's when they found out about Basement Revolver and they really liked the sound and offered to record us whenever we were ready for that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, how uh the projection of like our project started also i think that first time going into the studio with them we developed our sound a lot they worked with us with like guitar tones and layering sounds a lot more adding multiple synth parts um and then the other huge thing is adam bentley's main business is music pr so we you know, before would have never considered running a PR campaign. But mm-hmm. our producer was somebody, you know, he's probably one of the lead people in Canada for that. So it made sense to give it a go. And the first single we released was Johnny. And that kind of blew up, like, immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so at that point, we just kind of rolled with everything like okay this is seems like something that we can keep doing seems like something that people are interested in um yeah i think 
also we were super lucky with like the time that we released um that first single and the first EP because Spotify playlists were kind of like just becoming a thing and right. we did really well with those um yeah, yeah and we just sort of like were around at the right time where you know we released one song and it was getting on tons and tons of playlists and like mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember one friend messaging me saying, hey, your song is playing in a coffee shop in Vancouver right now. Like, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. But none of that was, uh, you know, necessarily planned at that time. It just mm-hmm. happened. It's super surreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Um, so in, uh, in October of 2019, uh, you came out publicly online as bisexual um, mm-hmm. Where did that journey begin for you? Um, I think it's something that I had kind of been aware of uh, my whole life. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely have been bisexual my whole life. But mm-hmm. I think due, one, to the, the like generation that I grew up in, um, it was starting to be a bit more acceptable to be out as like, queer in different ways but it was still not really talked about that much and then I also grew up in a very religious like setting um Mm -hmm. so that you know had um its own dynamics around you know how they view queerness and that definitely caused me to suppress um yeah that like own side of my identity a bit um so I think it was really just with time I became more comfortable with the idea and especially coming out publicly it was one of those things where I felt like it's helpful for everybody who's queer if we all do this and like can kind of support each other and that was mm-hmm. part of my mindset of doing it publicly. Mm-hmm. Um Especially, I feel like, with people who are bi, because I feel like, you know, sometimes you may have relationships that mostly appear to be straight, um, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't change your identity, and I know lots of folks who are in that spot and still feel like maybe they're not as queer as, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody who's got a same-sex partner, um, or someone who's maybe, like, medically transitioned, and mm-hmm. all of these things, but it's like you're so many, you know, different varieties of what queerness is. Um, yeah, so that's been a big thing for me is like being open about my identity, um, whatever that looks like, in the hopes that that makes other people feel more seen as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel as though that openness? benefits you uh your community or both at the same time i think so um Mm -hmm. i'm pretty fortunate where i personally haven't like received too much like backlash or Mm -hmm. um anything about my queerness um yeah especially not like you know outwardly or um in any like close relationships, like my parents are really supportive and affirming. Um, yeah. And then so it's like my friend group, my workplace. So 
that is definitely um, makes it a lot easier and more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before your announcement, you know, you obviously previously identified as straight. Um, How was accepting your identity as now a member of the 2S LGBTQIA community? And what were like the positives and negatives of that experience? Um, and I think it's helped my like personal confidence in general a lot mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. and I still was bi before, um, and it was just not a side of my life that I talked about with anybody, um, and that is like a super isolating thing. I think it also created a lot of like personal shame mm-hmm. um yeah which is all stuff that like kind of eats into every aspect of your life um yeah. it's actually interesting like i've had many conversations with people who have sort of like voiced the difference that they've seen with me within like the past five years mm-hmm. um and they can just tell that I'm, like, happier, I'm, like, more confident, I carry myself differently. And, yeah, I think that's, like, not having that weight, you know, that you're, like, hiding or that shame. Yeah. No, oh, that's beautiful. Awesome. Very happy with that. Mm-hmm. You also came out in the same way as non-binary. How did that journey begin for you? Yeah, so that's been a way more like recent journey um yeah i can't remember even exactly when i came out as non-binary but it's within the past year or maybe a year ago mm-hmm. now um yeah i mean part of that side of things was a little different than my like bisexual identity because sure. i had less understanding of like um even what, like, different gender identities were. That's not something Mm -hmm. I, like, grew up with. Um, And as I got older, as, like, I started hanging out um, with more people in the queer scene, especially, like, since I came out as bisexual, um, entering more queer spaces, Mm -hmm. I... um, yeah, I started to like meet people who expressed their gender in different ways and noticed that that was something that interested me and was something that, um, yeah, like resonated with ways that I've always felt but didn't have a name for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How was that reaction from your family and friends? Did you have any different reactions to you coming out as bisexual? Um, I think there's a bit more, like, questions, or even if there weren't questions, there was just, like, a little less understanding, I think, the same way that it was something that, um, like, I was unaware of until entering into the, you know, like, queer community more, um, you know, certain people have less exposure to like gender variants um but i didn't really have any negative responses i think more just um 
yeah, I guess it's like less knowledge. Um, but yeah, it's mostly being pretty positive. Good. I'm glad. How do you feel personally that your queerness and your music or like artistry in general connect with one another? And um, what's the end result of that? How do they sort of, or how do they impact one another, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. And I think my queerness like influences everything that I do. It's a part of who I am. Um, And it's something that I like celebrate. So I think a big part of how that impacts my music is um, trying to use the music platform as like a place to share knowledge um and also trying to create that sense of like normalizing you know people being outwardly queer and being open about like their sexuality or their gender um identity because like and you're so many people who are queer in the world but like not every single space is safe to be open about it. I know, like, in sports, that's still somewhere where uh, I think it's a lot further behind than the music industry is. So I'm definitely thankful that I'm in an industry that is a bit more accepting about it. But you're mm-hmm. still, um, you know, you're still ignorance and all sorts of just, you know, different levels of understanding or awareness, I guess. Yeah, yeah. In regards to the general Hamilton public, how do you feel as though 2S LGBTQIA identities are treated here in the city? I think it varies a lot. Mm -hmm. And then it also varies for people, how they maybe like outwardly appear Mm -hmm. or if they are, you know, out with a same-sex partner or not. Um, yeah, and I've, you know, heard so many different stories from friends and stuff. I think, in general, most places in Canada are leaning towards being more accepting, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it's definitely not a universal thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and you'll definitely notice, like, certain spaces where you might not feel as comfortable, um... Yeah, and that's a big thing that, like, I unfortunately do have to think about and be a Mm -hmm. bit cautious about, um, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking, like, okay, am I going to walk down the street at night wearing a dress? Um, Is that a safe, you know, thing for me? Um, Which definitely sucks to even just, like, have to have that thought. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Are there local resources for queer Hamiltonians? Uh, any that you know of and have you ever made use of them yourself yes i know that there definitely are um Mm -hmm. i haven't really made use of them at least not like the like networks um but i know that you're some that specialize with youth um and you're like yeah also different and you're like the aids network as well which i know is like pretty informative about like the health side of things if you've got Mm -hmm. any concerns Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there definitely are like some organizations and stuff locally, which is great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Do you feel as though the city could be doing more to make 
queer people feel more comfortable in the city. Yeah, I think definitely. And I think Mm -hmm. even in the most progressive places, um, Mm -hmm. there's still work to be done. Uh, It's interesting. And I just joined like the um, Hamilton like music advisory uh, Mm -hmm. committee, which is kind of like a part of the city of Hamilton planning. Uh, It's its Mm -hmm. own thing. And it's a pretty small like unit of the city. It doesn't really work in the same way that other like city committees work. But one thing that I brought up there was um, because we've got like a website and all of our bios. So I asked that everybody on the music advisory team add their pronouns to their bios. Um, there we go. Especially yeah. as somebody who uses they them pronouns and mm-hmm. you know, so I don't feel like, oh, I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. Um but that's was accepted, which is great. But that only really happened because there was somebody who was non binary who brought it up. And yeah. that has only really applied to our own committee. You know, that's not something that like the mayor's doing or even like all of the counselors. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, is there anything you can think of that would make queer people feel more comfortable here in the city? Anything that the, the local government could do? And I think efforts like that, um, like, you know, mm-hmm. adding pronouns and stuff. It shows understanding and support. Um, yeah. yeah, which I think is like huge. And then just being like an open voice. And I know mm-hmm. there was like some pretty big issues with harassment and mm-hmm. stuff like at Hamilton Pride um, mm-hmm. a few years ago. And I don't think it like the city was proactive enough in their responses. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely like, Offering safety and support, listening ears. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I don't know if there's anybody, like any counselors who are openly queer right now. I know mm-hmm. that there have been in the past. Um, right. but yeah, that would be an interesting thing to know. Mm-hmm. This is a big question, and you know, I know you can't speak for the community, but mm-hmm. do you think the city of Hamilton in general provides queer Hamiltonians with a sense of safety? Do you think that they feel protected by their city? Um, probably not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think that's like, and I think if anybody had their own safety concerns, they would be going to their own community for it. They wouldn't yeah. necessarily be reaching out. Um. And I know I live in Ward 3, so our counselor is Narinda Nan, who is someone who, like, I respect a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I would probably feel comfortable going to her if I had any concerns, mm-hmm. but not really, like, no one else. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, we We had a radio interview few Mm -hmm. months back i think and um in that interview you brought up that there aren't currently any gay bars in hamilton which Mm -hmm. i hadn't even realized um but i was i was shocked to find out um do you you know i i'm fairly new to the city do you know of a time when there was some or at least one yeah there's been a few 
So, um, there is a place called the Embassy, mm-hmm. but the main like critique that I heard about that that it was like pretty outdated, and then it was also majority like and it's mostly a gay bar. Um, mm-hmm. and it was mostly like older gay men, so it wasn't really a space that like you know younger queer people could go to, and you know feel like that was a space where they could meet peers um also anyone outside of being like cis gay men um probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't have felt as safe in that space Mm -hmm. um then when that closed down there was a place called the steel lounge steel city lounge something like that um okay i don't know why but it didn't really take off super well um Hmm. yeah it was just under attended and i think they weren't really able to stay afloat unfortunately Uh, yeah that sucks yeah i mean you know yeah i think the nearest sort of like i mean i guess like gay community that you could go to is like the gay village in toronto like that's kind Mm -hmm. of the closest thing i can think of and that sucks because hamilton's a big city and you know we should have something available yeah Totally. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I don't think there's anything in surrounding cities like St. Catharines, Burlington, uh, London, Guelph. Like, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty shocking. Sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I know yeah. like, yeah, it's really just the very big cities like Toronto. I know Vancouver's got a very like strong queer scene. And so does like Montreal. But Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Since queer people aren't regularly provided resources or safe spaces, uh, they often create ones themselves. What are some areas or communities within Hamilton or maybe shops, maybe, you know, locations um, that you've been grateful to be a part of that have kind of provided that community? Yeah, so that is one strength that I actually see within the fact Mm -hmm. that there isn't necessarily like a dedicated, like, gay bar or like uh gay village is yeah the community does come together to create those spaces themselves mm-hmm. um i guess just the downside is it is maybe a little harder to find um for unless sure. you know the right people which is definitely you know unfortunate for people who are new to the city or exploring um you know, all sorts of things. That's definitely like an accessibility barrier. But it is neat to see the different like event organizers um, and individual events. I've especially like coming out of, uh, I guess, like the more serious side of the pandemic. We're definitely still in it. But now that things are opening up a bit more, I've been... um engaging with like some of the events that are happening which has been very mm-hmm. cool there's mm-hmm. uh what is it queer hangs hamilton has been very mm-hmm. nice it's okay. like once a month in gage park um i think this past sunday was like the last one that they're doing outside for now but they're looking at an indoor location that was just like an open hangout for anybody who identified as queer there's Sweet. also fruit salad that has opened up or started mm-hmm. up since um, 
like the pandemic and that mm. is like um like a happy hour like a dance night for like people who identify as femme and queer um i've gone mm. to that and that was like a super super fun time mm-hmm. cool awesome um i know you've modeled for your bandmate chrissy's clothing line real fruit juice mm-hmm. Um, how was her experience of putting that together? And do you feel as though it has an impact on the Hamilton queer community? Yeah, I think it's been very positive. I'm one cool thing is I've seen like, I'm at that queer hang, um, event in Gage Park, like multiple people had, uh, frill fruit juice apparel on, which was awesome. Awesome. Um, and Addison, who, um, is running that event is one of the people who modeled as well. And that's where I met Mm. them, which was very cool. Um, Yeah. I think just like anything, it kind of brings the community together is positive. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's another fun thing to be like, Oh, Hey, like maybe you're from Hamilton. If you've got the shirt or you at least definitely like identify as queer, if you're wearing these shirts, Um, just, you know, can just be like a fun little way for folks to connect. For sure, yeah. Um, so the clothing is currently being sold at Daddy's Plastic Vintage for anyone listening mm-hmm. that's interested. Um, and then can we get it any other ways or just at Daddy's Plastic for now? Um, online, there's, I don't know the exact link, but there is like yeah. a place. And then if you're in Hamilton, you can do a pickup at Start Famous and they do shipping as well. Awesome. And uh, you've recently announced that you've created a music event in Hamilton called Sounds Gay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a local music event for uh, 2S LGBTQIA plus Hamiltonians. And uh, what made you want to start this? Yeah, so I guess like since I've started entering into the um, queer scene a bit more and like seeing the types of events that people are doing i've noticed uh a gap within music i knew there's definitely lots of like social nights dance events and drag shows which you know mm-hmm. all those things are great but yeah. music is something that i noticed seemed to like have a bit of a gap in and i that's the area that i have the most expertise in so i was like hey if this isn't happening maybe um I can make it happen. Yeah, why not? I mean, mm-hmm. go ahead. Uh, can you give me some hints as to what it's going to look like? Yeah, definitely. So we're going to be hosting it in the Cadspa Lounge. Um, that's a venue that I've been working at. Um, I know that like the owner um, has been like really supportive of the queer community. We've opened our doors to many different queer events. We have monthly drag shows. So that's a space that's already kind of on people's radar um, as being like a safe space for the queer community. And mm. then um, obviously it's known for the music, so it makes sense to do it there. I think it will probably vary between potentially having like some full band nights and having uh, more like singer-songwriters or duos. At the beginning, I'm probably going to start off more um, on that note. Um, Yeah, so we'll just like have a few acts and DJ after. um, And yeah, it hope is to like kind of keep it 
a bit more low key so people can still like socialize and get to know each other as well. Awesome. That sounds awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Do you know when it'll take place? Yeah. So we uh, will be doing the first event on November 9th. And mm -hmm. the performers are Emin, who is the front person for Sun Dried Whales, mm -hmm. and uh, Madame Sad. So really excited for both of those acts. Sweet. That's sick. Um, if anyone's interested in getting involved, maybe beyond um, attending, if they'd like to, mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe help spread the word, help do promo, maybe like volunteer, anything like that. Um, how can they contact you? Yeah, probably through the Instagram page is the best mm -hmm. right now. Um, yeah, so it's soundsgay.hamilton uh, or .hamont, I think is the tag. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I eventually will be putting like a bit more of a like formal application for like performers, but DMs are definitely open. Beautiful. And... Uh Speaking of like local queer artists, um, who are some uh, local queer artists that you think deserve more attention? Maybe Hamilton, maybe GTHA, just anything local. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I knew so many. Unfortunately, like I don't know how many or who there all are in Hamilton, which is yeah. kind of part of why I wanted to do this event too. It's like, yeah. There's probably tons of musicians who identify as queer who I wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like part of the excitement about yeah. it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I don't know. I know lots of folks in Toronto use a band called Cut Sleeve, which is an all queer East Asian rock band. Uh, definitely cool. want to get them at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Whether it's a collab with a local artist, maybe volunteering with an organization, or maybe starting a personal project, can you tell me about a future goal of yours? Um, I for this event, I would love for it to potentially spread to happening in different cities. Um, yeah, I don't need to be involved in that, but I think if, you know mm -hmm. if people take the concept and the name um that would be like very cool just to see more people taking the initiative to like create spaces um that are safe for the career community and specifically like prioritize um booking queer artists mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what can we look forward to seeing from you um iron basement revolver has new music coming out and we've they been do. releasing singles from our next album and mm -hmm. yeah you'll be probably a few more and then the full album will drop so definitely keep an eye out for that mm -hmm. and yeah and i'm definitely just like really excited to see where sounds gay goes um you know haven't had the first event yet so uh there's a lot up in the air still but I've gotten so many positive responses so far. So I think it uh, will do pretty well. Yeah. I'll see if mm -hmm. I'm free, but I'd love to come. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It'd yeah. be great to have you. Yeah, of course. And yeah, anyone who's queer and who's listening, 
definitely check it out November 9th. You should be there. And, yeah. um, yeah, every, uh, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah. I almost forgot to thank you there. Thanks for jumping oh, on here and yeah, talking to me. No problem yeah. at all. Yeah. Thanks for having I know, me. You know, yeah. I've been trying to do this for a couple months. Really want to have this convo and yeah, I'm very happy to have you on. Everybody listening, you can find Nim on Instagram as Nim Galawade, on Facebook as Naimala Galawade, and uh, their band is on all streaming services under Basement Revolver. So yeah, thanks so much again for uh, for talking with me, and this is great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll talk later. Bye.